<laughs> Tabletop Tim here, the superior guardian of the Probably Bad podcast. This podcast is supported by listeners on Patreon, including Hedwig and Carlo, and some new friends, Leaf Caliber and a socialist hobgoblin. Now isn't that fun? <laughs> Tabletop Tim out. Hello, and welcome to the Probably Bad Podcast, a podcast which is definitely bad. I'm Pencil. I'm Paper. And today's Probably Bad RPG idea is... A cyberpunk game where the twist is that technology and society are great. The PCs are just really miserable about everything. So technology is good, actually. It's, this is a hot take that the podcast is now drawing a very firm stance on. Like... I just want a world where, like, people are cybernetically augmented. And it's like, that's great, actually. I can see into the infrared spectrum and punch through cars. Well, yeah, we're talking fully automated luxury communism. Yeah. And your par- presumably your party is just this small group of people who would rather that we had um, solarpunk luxury communism. Like... I like the idea of, like, you know your standard cyberpunk apartment where it's, like, really dark and cramped and there's wires and stuff all over the walls and there's just probably, like, neon advertisements inside the building and your party are just there, like, sulking about the darkness of the world and they open the door and step outside and it's this, like, shiny futuristic city and it's literally just their house. The megacorps specifically control, like, your PCs and not the rest of society anymore. They're just really annoyed about their computers not being able to handle the best graphics quality on video games. (laughs) Your quest is to find a game that can play Crisis. Is that a radically old meme? Yes. Am I saying it anyway? Yes. It's my birthday today. I'm old now. Um... I think now that you said that, you're gonna get a bunch of happy birthday messages like half a week late when the episode goes up. Bring it, fuckers! Um, <laughs> how how your how... voice gets even like smaller when you're <laughs> swearing, and it's adorable. I'm gonna be grateful to all of you. Just you watch. I do weirdly like the idea of like a cyberpunk game, sort of going back to making the idea actually like reasonable where rather than like the megacorps rule the world the megacorps just have like a small enclave and you're trying to get like the good bits of technology into this area that's still ruled by capitalism so i I do like that it's like the idea of this sounds very colonialist when i put it into words but this sounds kind of like well this is the the terrible shitty part of the world so we, from the good part, are going to go in and make it better. And this is just, te- like, techno-colonialism. Yeah, we... Like, I feel like it's maybe okay if it's mega-corporations. Like, I would support futuristic space people coming in and um, not beating up Amazon, because, of course, Amazon and Jeff Bezos are good and have done nothing wrong in their lives. But, you know... Bill Gates... Yeah, a hypothetical mega corporation with 
with a notorious history of poor treatment of its um, of its employees and disregard for social responsibility, should one exist. Um, but yeah. So Disney. Yeah. I want to see. <laughs> I want to see a futuristic cyborg beat up Mickey Mouse. Is that so wrong? And yes, I am under the impression that Disney is run by Mickey Mouse. Put Mickey Mouse in Smash so we can just beat him up. <laughs> yeah. Mickey Mouse is the CEO and he does decisions by beating people in Smash. I'm just thinking, though, the like, because we keep coming back to um, the protagonists are annoyed that their video games won't run very well and stuff like that. It's like, is this just a game about Redditors in a utopian future? Yeah, uh, okay. Just looking around at all of the like people skipping around holding hands and singing songs about flowers and going, this is the future liberals want. <laughs> so in a future where we've solved all problems, we've solved poverty, we've solved inequality, we've solved disease, we've solved all of them, you are Redditors trying to find something to complain about for internet karma. And you're just trying to find, like, anything that you can complain about online for clout. I, I feel like we can build this game. So, obviously, instead of currency, you have clout points you can exchange for favours. Yeah. You, give, you give people exposure mm. to do things for you. Yeah, and, like, I feel you can have various roles based around, like, trying to frame things as badly as possible. Give me an example. I'm, I want to hear this. Okay, so it's the future, um, and you want to, like, report somebody, I don't know, attacking someone. Um, mm -hmm. And no one does violence anymore because all um, resource um, problems have been solved that everyone is raised in a society that uh, treats them as individuals. Um, so everything's pretty great. So what you need to do is you just find a completely ordinary conversation and you have to roll to, like, reframe everything they say as aggressive somehow. Like, they say... It's have like the opposite of a charisma roll. Yeah, so they say you have a good day and you have to be like, ah, they're making hostile demands towards the other person. Um, and, yeah, you need to, like, do roles to make sure it doesn't seem too much of a stretch, but also it does come off as hostile. Basically, what I've invented is a game where you try to make it seem like everyone thinks Coolsdale sucks. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're, you're, you're the news, and you're trying to, like, spark um, outcry and terror in a world where all problems have been solved. You're anti-revolution revolutionaries. Yeah. Because the revolution has won, and you're just there, like, but, but I liked it before, please? You're the last pro- you're the last person who likes communism. Not communism, capitalism. Nick, edit it out so I don't say something wildly against my political views. You're the, the world last person last who likes capitalism. five ANCAPs. <laughs> well, yeah, the world's last five ANCAPs are going on an adventure. Just, just the phrasing it is going on an adventure. I'm now picturing this as a children's book. <laughs> yeah. Five and Caps went to sea. <laughs> yeah, you, we just go back to you have Ancap Islands. 
and like everyone is trying to just go to and go, guys, we fixed everything. You don't have to keep like that. And they're like, no, screw you. I enjoy having to pay large sums of money to breathe, actually. It's freedom. So, so first arc, you're taking, you're taking out any rumblings of improving society somewhat on Ancap Island. Second arc, you use your clout to get transportation off the island so you can go and start spreading anti-revolution elsewhere. Yeah. And then for the third arc, you recognize your mistakes and start a revolution IRL. Okay, so you're you're picturing a game where you force your players to completely switch ideology yeah, um, halfway through. Like, so the thing is, you think it's a game, but like four or five sessions in, you discover that no, I'm actually brainwashing you. Uh, you are now agents of the revolution. I'm actually revolutioning you. Did you say? I, but what I said was brainwashing you, but a revolution okay. you sounds much more ethical. So I'm going with that. Sorry, auditory processing is not. <laughs> it isn't. I feel like there's also a way to do this where it's basically... Yeah, it, it's a cyberpunk future, but I guess in in a good way. Like, technology mm. has solved problems, and it's all green technology. Yeah. It's like high-tech solar punk, I guess, would be more accurate. And you're just a bunch of kids who think the idea of smog sounds really cool. Hmm. <laughs> There's like just emo like... teens that are like, I want to make the sky grey. You, you, you watch... Like, I like that this is like a war of aesthetic. Like, you've got no problem with the underlying things of society. You just wish that it was dark and my chemical romance was playing 24-7. I mean, we've all had that phase. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure how a bunch of teen PCs would would do this. Probably through, like, eco-terrorism. But, I mean... With, I guess reverse eco-terrorism? That, that's a thing people do with tabletop RPGs. Yeah. It's like, okay, uh, our, first, our first goal as a party is to blow up the wastewater treatment plant. Like, first rule of a party is just to go and, like, pour sludge down the streets. Where, where do they get the sludge in this eco-utopia? They... Do they make it themselves? Yeah, they have... Is there, like, drama like... where they litter to create the garbage ball? Yeah, what it is, is they, like, have, like, a cybernetic implant that just produces sludge. They implant a sludge gun. And but where, just... where does the sludge come from? Like, I assume it's just, like, biological byproducts. So you're suggesting an implant that turns your arm into a shit gun? Yes. And then they're like, look at the horrors technology is wrought as they shoot people with their shit gun. And F was like, you didn't need to do that. This is the horror that you have wrought. That was you. Yeah, this is the horror that you have wrought when you invented the shit gun. Shit guns don't pollute, people do. 
Like, I feel like this episode is unusually political, but uniquely, I can't tell what political agenda it's promoting. It's definitely just... anti-shit gun. We've established pro- that. We are. We, I am willing to like risk the audience to say I am pro-regulation of shit gun. <laughs> um, we do technically have a Reddit. We just keep forgetting it exists. Sorry, people who are on Reddit. I guess some some of you are good. So some of you less so. That's my hot take. It's a land of contrast. My hot take is that people have varying personality. <laughs> it's controversial. Hi, I'm Hazel, and I make a podcast with Liz called Bread and Thread, which you might enjoy if you are a fan of food or clothes or other interesting parts of domestic history. We find out interesting facts about things like regional foods, ancient breeds of sheep, um, pretty much anything domestic history. So if you'd like to know why it's illegal to import a sheep into Iceland and what was presented by Queen Victoria to Harriet Tubman, then you might want to check out Bread and Thread. Find us at Bread and Thread on Twitter or find us everywhere podcasts exist. Uh, so yeah, we don't have questions. We didn't get any questions this week. So instead, what we're doing is a second idea. We are. It's very exciting. Four sessions into your scrupulously researched zero supernatural historical campaign. Have an NPC nonchalantly ride a unicorn to the moon and see how the players respond. I really like the idea of instead of zero supernatural campaigns, one supernatural campaign. (laughs) Like, there is one supernatural thing. And it's something really blatant. And I don't mean like, you know, it's a like, oh, you thought this was a no supernatural campaign, but then aliens invade. I mean, no. You are courtiers in the uh, court of King Louis VIII, um, and it's all political drama and dealing with nobility, and also in the corner there is a manticore. Is it, is it part of the court, or is it just there? The manticore is just there. Um, and if you, like, if you, like, occasionally you have to roll because the manticore has attacked you and you need to fight off the manticore, but then it just goes straight back to, like, negotiating um, a war between two provinces. So I, I looked up when Louis VIII was so I could better visualise this, and he was, like king in the 1220s and i don't know i feel like people in the 1220s would just be like yeah that's a manticore we all know they exist yeah like so firstly i like the idea of like there's a really weird concept of all these things are supernatural but it's long enough ago that people don't know they don't exist so they're just like okay yeah sure that's fine like, it's just a weird thing of like, oh yeah, fairies don't exist, but we haven't discovered that yet, so we don't have a problem with the fairies. I mean, one issue that I do have a lot of the time when people try and do, like, actual historical TM-type stuff is that they yeah. do always forget. They either go, like, completely forget that religion and superstition exist at all, or they just go, 
well, it's Europe in the past, so everyone is this very specifically American brand of Christianity and doesn't believe in anything else yeah. ever. And it's like, yeah. my dude, have you seen Catholicism? Yeah, like Christianity is quite a broad range of beliefs, actually. We're putting a lot of hot takes uh, into this episode. Yeah, like pretty much the only thing that all Christians believe is like Jesus was a guy. He might have been the son of, he might have been like literally the son of God. He might have been God. Who knows? But he sure was a dude. Jesus sure was a dude is my favorite Bible. <laughs> I have my own version my, of Bible, which just is, on mm. My point is that you should incorporate all of these like superstitions and beliefs and cryptids and stuff into your historical settings anyway, yeah. I think, because it just makes everything a little bit less grey. Yeah, like even if even um, if they're not yeah, even if they're not real, it's useful to sort of have that kind of belief thing going. Well yeah, and I mean what if the the characters do fervently believe that all of these things are happening? But as the DM, you secretly know the mundane explanation for everything. Like, everyone's running around, the PCs are convinced that the plague really is this supernatural punishment from God and they need to deal with it. And, you know, that they works. happen to find something to quote-unquote appease God that works, but it also happens to, like, you know, make the rats leave. There was a TV, there was a movie, which it wasn't, very well received because it is technically not very good but i really liked the sort of twisting called black death and the premise is that the main characters are witch hunters and they are tracking down witches who have like made a deal with the devil to protect themselves from the black death uh and it turns out that no they they didn't do that because witches are, don't exist um they were just an isolated town and you've just you just murdered a bunch of people out of superstition and i liked it because it was really building huh is that the Sean Bean one? It might be the Sean Bean one. Yes, it sounds like the Sean Bean one. And yeah, I really Eddie liked it. Is it that one? Awesome. Yeah, I, yeah, I do like right. that film. Yeah, yeah, because I realised how it was building up, like, you know, you think, oh yeah, obviously witches are real. It's a film about rich hunters. It's like, no, they're just, they're just murdering people who are different to them. Which um, is historically accurate. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah. I feel like you should have one like superstition thing that is in fact caused by goblins. Just like, because I feel like with your thing, there's always the possibility of the players sort of like, you know, playing along and they're just like, oh yeah, obviously we're, we know what's really happening, but my character is da 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 da. Which is why you should throw the loop and like, they go into it, no, this is goblins. Like, this one is actually goblins. Like, the other. Of us will just misinterpret natural phenomena, but this woman is genuinely being harassed by goblins. This mine collapse was caused by a minor earthquake. This mine collapse was caused by repeated heating and cooling of the rock. This mine is cursed. Yeah, like, you know, it was caused by a minor earthquake and also unrelated cobalts. It was caused by a minor earthquake. That earthquake was caused by the awakening of the dragon. Yeah. 
But yeah, like teeth. Okay, now yeah, what, I just... what if they keep finding these mundane explanations for stuff, and then all of those explanations were all caused by the same supernatural thing? Like, oh, there was a fire over there, there was an earthquake over there, people are going missing over there, it's all a dragon. <laughs> Firstly, I think all mystery games should have its all a dragon as the solution to the mystery. Like, your film noir kind of who who killed the upcoming presidential candidate, and then in the end it turns out it wasn't anything to do with any of the convoluted political schemes of who benefits or loses from the high presidency, they were just eaten by a dragon. There's just a dragon in 1920 Chicago. It's wearing like a little like fedora, so no one recognizes it's a dragon. They think it's just a dude. A dragon in 1920 Chicago feels like a really bad like Don Bluth ripoff VHS <laughs> that you watch at your grandma's house. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, there's yeah. The dragon is like the dragon's not trying to trick fine. It's just a dragon. Like it's just walking around roaring. But as I said, it is wearing a little fedora, so people think it's just a very angry man. Um, the other thing I was thinking is the inverse of this, where it's like everything, like the players, like the characters, all like it's modern day, mm-hmm. and the characters all think things have mundane explanations, but the players and the GM obviously know it's actually supernatural. So you're there like, oh no, my car crashed because like, wear and tear on the gears and then you're just looking because obviously my character doesn't know it was actually cursed by warlocks i think what i invented is a masquerade setting where the gm is just really smug about it or a monster of the week game getting ready for a hell of a big reveal the reveal being you were playing monster of the week I feel like what like, you need tell, to do is... Tell your players that you've come up with your own Power by the Apocalypse game, which is just, you know, weirdly mm. similar to Monster of the, Re- of the Week, but they go along with it. And then it turns out they were actually playing Monster of the Week the whole time. Tell your players you've come up with your own entirely original game um, that you invented yourself and made from the ground up and then, then like, haha, it's actually Monster of the Week. It's called Mundane Occurrence of the Week. <laughs> mundane Occurrence of the Seven Days. <laughs> um, but yeah. I, really, I, I, I want, like, more games. Yeah, but anyway. The third alternative is, uh, again, you just has the original idea set. Like, yeah, just an NPC is just like, yeah, I'm going to the moon jumps across their unicorn, rides off. And then the game just continues and nothing like that's ever brought up again. If anyone asks, you never said that. Wait, are you now suggesting gaslighting your players into not believing in the supernatural? Yeah, Uh, which means that when the dragon attacks the building, they will be less likely to panic. Yeah, like have a manticore in the actual room of the D&D game, but just... Don't tell the players. If, if they point it out, it's like, I'm sorry, that is my cat, and you're being very rude right now. Manticores don't exist. That's just Steve. He looks like that. 
<laughs> We're learning <laughs> more. This is my hideous cat, Steve. <laughs> Which is also a great way to like refer to your play as a cat. But yeah. I, I, I like it's not quite related to the idea, but I want the I, I want like your character players go into like player characters go into dungeon. You say, "Oh yeah, there's a hideous cat in the corner," and it's just see how long it takes them to realize you're talking about a manticore. I mean, I I have done stuff like that mm. where it's like, oh th- yeah, there's a really weird cow. Um. And then they start fighting it, and oh, it's a Bonacon. But yeah, just. Because I'm mean. Yeah, you just go in, and there's an ugly cat and an ugly man, and they're like, oh, okay. Um, and then they're attacked by an ogre in the manticore. <laughs> there's an unusually large gecko, you say, while rolling up stats for your great worm, Red Dragon. <laughs> I like that in this scenario, you don't mention that the gecko is red, an unusual colour. It's just yeah. big. It's a big gecko, you know. You don't know what colours geckos normally come in. <laughs> you know they're not normally this big. <laughs> that, that, is, that gecko is the size of at least three geckos. Yeah. <laughs> that gecko is at least twice as big as any gecko universe. <laughs> I just you say lich I say very old man <laughs> you encounter a very old man holding his life support device what do you do I don't know if this is related to the idea so much as just coming up with ways to be a dick to your, car- your players I mean that's that's half of what we do on this podcast <laughs> And the other half is being a dick to your GM. Yeah. I guess like, you could do the inverse of like... It's balanced. Yeah, uh, yeah can, my play, can my PC be a very old man? And I, I, I guess, sure. And then you use your lich power on someone. And like, what the fuck was that? You're like, I asked at the start. They're very old. They're like 6,000, the lich. He <laughs> <laughs> didn't ask how I survived this long. Yeah. Yeah, can I can I play a, a large like a tall character? I'm like, yes. And they're like, cool. Here's my fucking Titan. <laughs> the two hundred foot tall and wave a dragon at people. I think like the thing with DMs, what you need to recognise is that they are like you know Rumpelstiltskin style fairies, where if you can get them to agree to something by a trickery, they are then mystically compelled to hold to it. For the rest of the campaign. The problem is they are also like genies in that if if you ask them if yeah. you ask them for something, they're gonna fuck you over with it. Yeah, so the important thing when starting a new game is that you must defeat your GM in three riddles. Um in yeah. And only then can you uh compel them to accept your character ideas. I mean that's been my experience. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you haven't defeated your GM in a riddle contest yet, you do need to do it. fairly important. A lot of people forget, but it is important. I feel like I'd be good at riddle contests. Yeah. That's why you're such a good GM. Like, it's just one of those thoughts that comes into your head. I just, I remembered when I was a kid, I read, 
I decided to get really good at riddles. Yeah, I feel like I feel like you would be good at a riddle contest, actually. I am, uh, okay. I am running. I am your DM right now. Yeah. Um, if you can defeat Mod Paper in a riddle contest, you do get to replace them as co-host of this podcast. Um, Try me. <laughs> if, if you think you can do it. <laughs> anyway, that's about it for today. It is. Um, yes. Yeah. Um, the things that I say at the end. So, first riddle. <laughs> the first riddle is go to patreon.com slash probably bad RPG ideas. Um, if, if you succeed, you can give us money in exchange for homebrew and bonus episodes and access to the Patreon, the Patreon Discord server, where actually the, the evening of the day that we're recording this, we're running a game based on a probably bad RPG idea, which is a thing that we do about once a month on there. Um, if you have a question, you can send it to us on Tumblr, probably bad RPG ideas, or email probably bad podcast at gmail.com. Um, we're also on Twitter as bad probably. Is there anything else? Um, we do have a Facebook. Um... Uh, yeah, just a probably bad podcast. And we will soon, hopefully when this is up, have a YouTube channel. Yes. Um, people were asking us about putting the podcast on YouTube. So we're going to... It's it's just probably bad on YouTube. And then twice a week, the same as the podcast. So thank you for... And, and remember to have a, a probably fight. bad day.